five, four, three, two, one. Lift off. Buckle up, Flyover family, because this is the Flyover Conservative Show. How do you get into the mind of a true psychopath? How do you break down why people do what they do, especially when it's really dark? Sometimes we try to make sense of things that don't make sense. Tonight, we're going to be joined by a clinical psychologist, somebody who's trained to understand the mind of those who kill, of those who are out to destroy, people that do some of the sickest things known to mankind. And some of the cast members we're going to talk about tonight and analyze and break down are household names, especially over the last two years. And make no mistake, they have weaponized a bioweapon against us, and we're going to break it down on the Flyover Conservative Show. Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. Today on the Flyover Conservative Podcast, we have somebody that is going to be way more knowledgeable than we could possibly squeeze all that juice out of out of in. We're all going to have to have him back in one in one episode. But he helps you understand the why behind things that happen. He's a clinical psychologist. He helps understand workplace violence, mass shootings, um, and then and then through that lens, begin to sort of decipher the events around uh, the pandemic over the last couple of years. Its impact. And then the the cause and effects that come mm-hmm. from that. I'm really interested in this conversation. So buckle up for a great ride, Dr. Tal Braun. Yay! <laughs> Welcome. Oh, you you sure know how to make somebody feel good in starting uh, in in having that round of applause. I also particularly like uh, one of the signs behind you that says "Don't give up." Yes, um, I think that is an absolutely crucial message during this time. Um, folks, we're in for a marathon over here. And um, I think partly what I've been communicating lately over the last few days is helping people to connect the dots and the series of attacks that are happening um, all at once. And then also helping people to constantly know that where we are. So I emailed the FBI in June of 2021 um, I said at that point, it, it was more, more of me actually um, making sure that if anything ever got foiled, um, or also I'd been so sick of just verbally talking to people offline mm-hmm. uh, in my community, which is law enforcement, emergency management, public health um, on, a, on a, um, a state and federal level. And most of the conversations and the work I do is sort of not it's 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 not that it's planned to be whisperings in the dark but when you have information that is still uncertain you have to be you have to be cautious about about where that goes while you're working through a problem right i mean it's the same mm-hmm. thing yep. as um, being on being on scene let's say during a mass attack and knowing that there's stuff that you say on the on on the um, on your radio, and then there's stuff that you don't say on the radio in terms of radio mm-hmm. silence, and it's the same thing in terms of working through um, a threat on this level. But by June of 2021, I'd really got to the point of being so um, annoyed uh, and and frustrated that we were still talking about this thing as a respiratory virus, and that it was a respiratory infection when it was matching a poisoning, and more specifically, it was matching right. an envenomation. And so I put my my mark in the in in my you know my flag in the sa- in the sand, and I emailed um and 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 you know there he is the director mm-hmm. always where, where is this guy in the midst of chemical warfare in the midst of trains blowing up in the midst of us blowing up the trains 
uh, us blowing up pipelines. I mean, where where is that director that I emailed? I, I did get uh, both from the both units that I sent this to. One I'm much more familiar with, which is the behavioral analysis unit. They do mm. incredible work of analyzing threats. Uh, of of helping people to um, uh, understand, you know, sort of when somebody is blowing off steam and when somebody mm-hmm. is is posing a real threat. And I emailed that that unit. Um, I'm much more familiar with in terms of the, the, my colleagues, but I, I also emailed the, uh, the director of Allway because he's your guy for you know weapons of mass destruction, which which mm-hmm. SARS-CoV-2 is. And so I put my flag in the sand in in terms of just a marker that says you know in history. Hey, I've tried to do the right thing over here. I'm not being heard. But in that, the the thing that I that I've been com- comfortable with now that the dots are connecting for a lot of people is that in that email I called SARS-CoV-1 stage one, and I think that wow. what I was looking for from from a response for them besides thank you mm. received and then nothing was hey dr braun you're an expert at this we turn to you for all kinds of trainings we 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 we, we are we respect your body of work up to now what do you mean stage one what's coming right. next right exactly. if you tell somebody if, if if you're running a marathon or something else or you know cross country or something and you're getting to these markers it would be very good if if you are able to know the course and right. so right. I didn't say, oh, we're, you know, we've just been attacked and this is what happened. I said, we're in stage one of mm-hmm. a much big complex attack. And so stage mm-hmm. two was the vaccines. That's that. I, and, and I, and I, and I put that in the, in the email in terms of the fact that it, by June of 2021, I knew that they cannot use this toxic spike protein, which mm-hmm. is both causes cancer um, it, it's a cardiotoxic, it, it's neurotoxic, and it's what's known as oncogenic, which means that it's tumor forming and that it causes cancer. And I was like, how are they taking this thing? This is the point of the arrow. They are, mm-hmm. they are breaking off the arrow and they're using the arrow uh, um, in, in an injectable mm-hmm. form of the same, of the same, um, of the same uh, spike protein. And so um, what I what I'm very concerned at the moment is basically like we moved on from into stage three now, which is basically um, the chemical component. Um, there was always a question in my mind whether stage three was going to be a biological shift mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of people having to fight other diseases and then having a compromised immune system and having a, a, a primed the spike protein in, in for those audience members that are um, uh, ex military or law enforcement. Or, or even you know, if they're um, uh, if they have a fascination with people like um, the Unabomber, you know, from mm-hmm. a bomb point of view, what the spike protein is a primer. It sends a shock wave through the system, and then you basically can toggle the switches and and you've primed the system. And mm-hmm. so um, it was always a question in my mind: Are they going to follow up with biological attacks, uh, or are they going to follow up with chemical attacks? Because both would as a primer would then initiate, you know, and detonate the next, uh, mm-hmm. the next wave. And so that's my deepest concern of where we are right now with these derailments and the chemical spills. At currently, while we, well, you know, while we're chatting, um, there is, you know, numerous um, of these um, chemical spills and fires burning. Yep. At, at, you know, all, all, all day long. And, and I just want to know where is, where is my, where are my people? Right. You know, wh- where, why, why are they not investigating this? Why are they not connecting the dots? One thing I want to say, too, is part of your title is U.S. National Counterterrorism 
uh, terrorism and EMS advisor and trainer, as well as chief scientist, counter bioterrorism division. I mean, this is your background. This is this is your right in your your wheelhouse. Well, yeah, and I think that the the hardest thing is like. Um, you know, recently on a Twitter space, which I've been a lot more willing now, I got back onto Twitter, took myself off Twitter for the longest time when I just didn't like Twitter and what they're doing. And Twitter is actually a client of mine. A very small contract uh, job that I did was actually build their active shooter training and um, specifically trained one of their officers that were getting major, major threats after they were pulling off international terrorists. And so I went over there and they were deeply concerned about violence and about, you know, somebody walking in there and i did a training for twitter so the you know, the 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 behind the scenes that i've been involved in um if somebody had said you know what have you spent 10 years doing it's trying to help people to not focus on a weapon called a gun when it mm -hmm. comes to killing mass amounts of people yep. you know obviously we know that that entire conversation has been politicized and weaponized but from a standpoint of keeping people safe you know what I what I saw my crucial role in doing is going to to conferences, running workshops um, to leaders to help them build their training programs to make sure that they weren't training people to recognize an intruder, an attacker walking through the door with some form of you know, recognizable gun, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's, whether it's an AR-15 or a handgun, what about, you know, in New York city, when a guy walks into a church holding two big containers of gas, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're not, if you're not helping people to, to understand how people attack, if you don't know in yeah. history, the times where chains have been put on a church and people have been set yeah. on fire, if you don't know what, what bombs look like in uh, an international bombing, then you're not doing your job. If you're just mm -hmm. helping people to talk about things like the word active shooter. Right. And so in that wheelhouse for me, um, was making sure, um, that I had a, crucial understanding of, of, of the biological and chemical weapons side mm -hmm. of mass killings. However, it's not like anybody was ever interested in that as the hot topic of the day. I didn't get hired by any big company that said, you know, prepare our team you know, for one right. day, a genocide that's going to be right. using bioweapons. But I, I, you know, I think, I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm, I think a lot of people can, can feel that I'm driven by altruism and mm -hmm. by righteous principles. But what I'm also driven by is I just don't like being wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's like I, I'm one of those people where like I will stay up as long as it takes. I'll work through a problem rather than having to put my head down and go, man, I got that one so badly off. I just don't like to be wrong about stuff. And so part of it is that in a conversation, let's say at a conference or being with a FEMA team that handles chemical weapons, you know, I want to be just as well versed as the top official in the room. Let's call it ego, whatever it is, right? It, you know, bragging rights. I just like to know my craft. And, and like anybody else that's practicing their craft, you should always be striving for the thing that yeah. you don't know or get better mm -hmm. at the thing that right. you're trying to do. And so when this happened, it took me what, about a weekend, um, and 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 not not to not to sound completely arrogant with this. It's just that the biology is actually not all that complicated. It took me about a weekend to understand some of the most basic mechanisms of SARS-CoV-2. It took me um, a little longer to start um, trying to work out 
why the medical system was you know handling this so badly mm-hmm. um and then and then basically um it's taken me 3 years to start learning how to communicate this mm-hmm. to people mm-hmm. in a way that it's plausible that it's understandable right. which, which dr brand that's the big challenge that's there huge. is not only be able to communicate it but people have a challenge understanding why somebody would do something evil it's like the story of the scorpion you know asking the frog to help him across the river and he's like well you know, the frog's like, hey, you will sting me. And, you know, everybody knows that story. And eventually halfway across the river, sure enough, the scorpion does sting him because because that's sorry. That's just what scorpions do, even even against his own best interest in that scenario. But people have a hard time understanding that. That's the premise of uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies or a horror movie or anything. Is people will kind of go down a long path surrounded by evil, ignoring obvious evil. Now, as a viewer, you're watching the movie thinking, this guy's bad. Don't go in. Don't get in his car. You know, you see it on the outside. It drives you crazy because it wakes you up. You're like wanting to save people. But we 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 sort of tend to believe the best, you know, in people. And I want to play a video clip for you here. And um, you break down. I've heard you speak before on on some of the even the similarities between Microsoft as a product and pharmaceutical companies as a product in a way that would never be allowed at a dry cleaner, you know, to be able to ruin your clothes, then sell you the fix. But, but to understand the, the, the brain behind somebody that would do something so evil that people can't believe it. They just kind of keep walking down that path. Before you play the clip, if you could pull back up that picture with, with Bill Gates, the, the one you just showed, the, the scorpion, scorpion? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i frog? think i think that you know i think that what you what you're highlighting uh david uh, really really uh, you know well articulated um is that not only should we know that um it's pretty easy to predict someone's behavior based on you have a lifetime's worth of somebody's you know doing it's very difficult to predict um uh, human behavior you know, on day one from birth, because there's a world mm-hmm. of experiences. Right. You've got some genetic information, and then you know that that little child is going to go through a whole bunch of things that are going to shape that child. What we know about personality, for example, though, is it's pretty fixed. Um, and so a scorpion is a scorpion. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that this, um, this parable is a great way of understanding. And um, when you've got people that by their very nature can't help themselves, then, then it is society's role to help everyone else, including that person, not do their thing. Like th- this is this is part of of um, of the challenge of the last um, couple of years of, of work for me. Yeah. is that as a as a from from a from a um, a righteous point of view, when you when you know that you're dealing with a scorpion, right? Let's 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 before we um, t- uh, go back to Bill Gates, I'll, I'll make a comparison. Bill Gates for me is the living older version of somebody like Adam Lanza, who, who killed mm-hmm. people at Sandy Hook. Um, it, it, you know, you've got somebody you basically if you've if you understand their nature and you understand their destiny, the the the, the trajectory that they're on. We have a compassionate responsibility to make sure that everybody, including that person, stays safe. You know, this th- that that that's very confusing. That the same guy that, that will then train SWAT officers and help them to mentally understand that it's also perfectly okay then to neutralize that threat. If you need to kill the scorpion, if there's no other uh, way, then then you have to be able to do that. That's that that's an ethical principle. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that 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 is so. Um, it becomes so complicated for people in a world that's so binary. It's either mm-hmm. that you don't care at all, 
or you over care and you extreme. But we don't live like that. We don't. Right. We, mm-hmm. we, we 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 never live like that. There's the times that you'll go out and you'll eat at a fancy restaurant and you'll spend all kinds of money, and then you're also just fine eating a peanut butter sandwich at home, <laughs> and you don't look at this thing and go, "Oh wow, look at this tragedy!" You know, I'm forced to eat this. There's a whole range of possibility in between, and I, and that's I think that point. that's. The, the 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 scorpion analogy um, and and we can go back to some of the major players that are driving this is really crucial because you're 100 percent right that is the most frustrating thing for me um and that i feel sort of the blessing and curse that i had um growing up is that i grew up in a family where we didn't have any filters um mm-hmm. around these topics um i was exposed to understanding that the, that human beings were capable of the most wonderful acts you know, really, really beautiful, um, uh, you know, uh, acts of being human. And then I was also exposed from the very earliest age to understand that human beings are capable of absolute heinous, sinister mm. uh, um, behavior that includes planning. I think that's a lot of um, um, uh, yes. part of my yeah. work. And, and maybe People even doing good plan. things along the way to put yourself in a position to do horrible things. Right. You know, which is a we're, which is we're, in, a, very we're in a society in a time where people struggle with the reality that more than one thing or two things can be true at the exact same time. And and that's, you know, mm-hmm. um, to our detriment a little bit. Let me play this clip and have you break down the psychology of the mind behind some of the things we're dealing with. And then uh, let's, let's let's maybe bring that around to uh, phase three and kind of connect some of these dots because a lot of people do look at, oh, this is a terrible thing. This is a terrible thing. This is a terrible thing. Almost but, like they're isolated. Yeah, isolated in little, little little chambers, but maybe they're not. Let's play this clip. I'd love to get your response to some of these comments that people are familiar with, but let's just bring them to the front. Speaking things that are, you know, genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. Uh, first, we've got population. Now, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. New vaccines, new vaccines, new vaccines. We could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. Wow. Sometimes uh, the people's biggest problem is when someone tells you who they are, you just don't believe them. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. I mean, and, and I think there's a couple of terms that people can learn about from, from, from the world of, of threat assessments and threat management. So there's a trajectory uh, that was built by some of the, the sort of early pioneers of understanding um, uh, what threat assessment and threat management was. And while I can do it, I can give a shout out to somebody that most people in my intelligence community don't know that a guy by the name of Captain Robert Martin, Bob Martin, out of LAPD, um, was the person who actually built uh, um, what should have been a great threat assessment, threat management model. He built it with Gavin DeBecca, who is the leading expert in the world of, of preventing violence from occurring. Um, and he does that, um, unfortunately now, for mostly uh, very high net worth people, high risk people. Um, but he's also, in the, in the body of work, put out things like the book Gift of Fear, which is still an absolute bestseller. Um, he puts it out there. I think people can even download it for like a penny sometimes on Kindle. Um, and that is a book that basically helps people to realize how important your intuition is and mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying. Trust somebody. If somebody tells you it's what they're going to be doing. 
then yep. why not believe that that's what they're going to do, right? And then when mm-hmm. it happens, don't act surprised. And there's a term in, in threat assessment, they, they t- the, the rest of my colleagues call it leakage. I don't particularly like the word leakage because leakage doesn't sound purposeful. I, l- I like the word broadcasting. And then I also mm-hmm. like comparing it to something that most people are familiar with, which is trolling. Um, if you look at a if you look at a, a predator like a cat, it won't just catch a mouse and eat it. It plays with it. Yep. And it plays with it not because not only because it's enjoying it, right? There's thrill in it for it, and that it's creating a, a, an entire system of learning. We we learn through play. Not only is it thrilling to play with this animal, but it's learning. How does this thing move? Oh, it almost got away from me. Oh, this is what I could do with the tail next time. I pull this. This is what moves. And so these predators, these human predators, and mark my words, Bill Gates in our lifetime is the human predator. Um, in other generations, in other times, there's been people that people can you know quote and Genghis Khan did this or Hitler did this. What's tragic about history is that history should only be remarkable in that it leads a mark for you to then compare to present mm-hmm. and decide if it's going to match something in the future. But mm-hmm. we get fixated. We get absolutely fixated on the past, sort of like somebody that can't get over their ex-wife, their ex-girlfriend, their ex-boyfriend, and they mm-hmm. never move on. History is supposed to be a learning tool. Then you're supposed to be living in the present, right? I want to yep. throw out that cliche that always says that's what's called, you know, that's why a gift is a yep. present, right? Yep. But but really, for me, there's also fascination in terms of how little um, we we also educate and train and play with um, in terms of letting children play with the concept of what's coming next. Mm-hmm. If you do this, these are the series of consequences that can happen. And helping, um, we, we don't often do that with human behavior. So when you play that clip, there's there's a couple of things that I think that are hard for us in terms of tracking someone's trajectory. Bill Gates Gates grows up in this um, uh, um, uh, very influential and very wealthy family. Um, He gets opportunities that a lot of other kids that are struggling don't get. He gets opportunities to go and play on computers that other people Mm -hmm. don't get. He gets gets this um, sort of what I see a lot with mass killers, um, especially male mass killers. You have a, a concept of the um, the absent father. Mm. And this was a very unpopular uh, piece of testimony that I gave down to the Texas Senate as it relates to masculines. I got, I got one of the senators ask me a very direct question. Is there a relationship between violence and, and absent fathers? It, a- absolutely there is. Mm-hmm. There's, there's data that says, especially when it comes to males, that you need the male bonding. And that if you think about it, consequences, there's a certain element of role modeling, but there's also the fear of the bigger male alpha look, grabbing the little young uh, uh, child or uh, a monkey or right. whatever it is, lion, right, and, and putting it in its place. Mm-hmm. And so there is a part to that that is chemical. There's, there's always pheromones involved. There's a part to it that's about physical strength. And there's a part to it that's just old-fashioned role modeling. It's not to say that that is the only way that a family can exist, but it means that, you, that people are avoiding data that says that having a father role model and having a father present for males and for sons 
is crucial to their well-being. Now there's replacements, great uncles, Mm -hmm. you know, people lose their, Mm -hmm. we got, there's a ton of orphans on the way. One of the things that people aren't discussing is that not all of these children are vaccinated. Their parents have been. So who's Mm going to take care of them because their parents are dying. So Mm -hmm. I, I mean, in my own, own circle, uh, a couple of months ago, um, a high school friend and his wife died within the state, within the state, within a month or two of each other, Mm -hmm. uh, healthy people. Uh, and left three kids behind, right? Wow. Post vaccine, right? So who's taking care of these orphans? Right. Because right now I don't know who's taking care of them, but it's probably an aunt or uncle that's also vaccinated mm-hmm. who may also be dead within the next few years. These are these are the harsh facts that people have to start working and planning ahead and and working. You know, mm-hmm. how are we going to move forward this, with this in a compassionate way? But let's go back to Bill Gates. For a moment, I want to say that part of understanding humans is to have a look at the stories that they grow up with and who they are. So if you have this, that generally tends to be within this range of mass killers, they tend to be on the spectrum, which is also a very uncomfortable part to this. Um, my, my testimony in Texas was around the fact that can't we have terms like autism with violence, with a violent component? Can't we say Asperger's with a violent component? If you can have certain diseases and disorders that either come with something or not, so that, that helps people because most mm-hmm. people with autism are not violent at all. But those that are fixated on violence they land up having an OCD component, and then their autism um, gives them a difficulty in, in, in reality and fantasy, and also lack of empathy, lack of consequences as it relates to pain, right? Mm. And so when you have somebody that's generally on the spectrum like this, um, there is a, there's a genetic a famili- a f- a family-related uh, trait uh, that would come with this. And so you have his father that was obsessed with depopulation. Well, obviously the son. Yeah. Yep. The son wants his father's respect, and whether he knew it himself or not, whether he whether he has any awareness of it, because sadly, with most um, with most of these sort of um, Ill, uh, um, issues, um, uh, uh, and I'm one of them. I'm AD, ADD off the charts in terms of I get fixated on problem solving, and I will literally I can you know a, a whole day can go by, and and I won't even notice because I'm trying to understand a piece of chemistry. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can't get the answers for it. I can get that fixated. And at the same time, people would call that attention deficit disorder. There's no deficit. <laughs> what there is, is are, 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 you, are you referring a little bit with Bill Gates Sr. with his uh, connection Planned with, with Planned Parenthood and eugenics? Mm-hmm. Sure. And, but specifically eugenics. that with, with eugenics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and just Planned um, Parenthood being the, the weapon in his hand at that moment, the mm-hmm. saw is being able to perpetuate that. But it's truly the, the genetic aspect of it. So here you have this person that was deeply involved in Planned Parenthood that loved depopulation. And then, yes, you're 100% right, which is also very uncomfortable for people to talk about because people are, are, are um, both at the same time completely talking about racism all the time, but they're not talking about actual racism mm-hmm. and actual, um, actual death. So, for example, Planned Parenthood has a connection to eugenics, and the founder was really interested in killing off the Negroes. In her words, mm-hmm. not mine. Clearly, yep. that's what she wrote about yep. uh, t- to great length. So then, anybody involved has taken on that that part of that sinister plot, and so Bill Gates, in following his dad's footsteps, that is what he's doing to the world. 
And mm-hmm. it's just, it's really strange that you, you, both of you can see it. Probably most of your audience knows this, um, but we're in a, we're in a silo because mm-hmm. people don't understand. They see Bill Gates as this software nerd. They see him as a brilliant businessman. They don't see him as somebody who looks at the world the same way as he did as a teenager. It's a board game. Mm-hmm. He was obsessed with things like Monopoly and, you know, the Oregon Trail games of its time, of his time. He wants to win and he doesn't, he has, um, you can hear it in his language. You can see the way he talks about, we just shoot it, shoot it up in a child. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, those are not normal ways of speaking about injecting anybody. Um, right. They're not, they're not normal in terms of why is he smirking? There's something mm-hmm. that the audience can learn about called dupus delight, which is a certain smirk that psychopaths have, which means that when they're talking about something they're getting away with, a crime, a conspiracy, um, some sort of sinister plot, an action, a lie, they can't help themselves smile. It's a neurological mm-hmm. feature that is they can't turn it off. I noticed that in Klaus Schwab. I actually have watched some interviews on him and I noticed that in some of the things that he said that would sound so terrible, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's changing you, you know, like when he said that I've noticed the smirk on his face, it's like scary. I get a smirk. Um, and it's that once again, it's that predatory response of playing with the thing. I've caught you. Now I'll taught Mm -hmm. you a little bit. I will learn about you. I'll learn. And, and it's the enjoyment. Now, there's a part to it of there's a reason why that comes with a smirk. Uh, and it is because most of these psychopaths, they function at a much lower resting heart rate and much lower resting um, physiological features of anything that we would call anxiety, stress. They just don't feel it. And so when they do, in terms of getting away with a crime, looking at their scoreboard, the ticket, the ticket numbers of, of COVID deaths, this is the time where they're getting a rush. Now, mm-hmm. I won't go into detail with it here, um, also because it starts getting a little, a little too weird for most people, but there's obviously a sexual component. I mean, with every serial killer, with everything, there is also that feeling that it is tied towards their sexuality because nothing else is actually, they're not feeling anything else. So during those puberty years, uh, going out and when they skin an animal or something, it's actually tied to the normal feelings that people should be getting about being aroused by a human partner. They being arised by, by death and destruction. There's wow. a there's a se- there's a sexual there's a sexual uh, component to all of the these people. And then lastly, I just want to show in that clip the the thing that makes me the most sad about it in terms of people not reading the body language um, is his wife, ex wife now. Mm-hmm. I mean, why has she got what any child would be shown at kind at, at at kindergarten level at preschool level when you're teaching kids emotions and you have an upside down smile, mm-hmm. right? And you say, what mm. is this person feeling? And the right. person's supposed to go, they're sad. sad. Yep. Okay. Now, every time she sits next to him in this interview, she awkwardly goes between sadness, mm-hmm. right? And trying to look like she's okay. Mm-hmm. But it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. And at the mm. very least, I'm not here to say I understand what she's feeling. Only she can tell us what she's feeling. But I'm interested in the biology. I'm very interested in the signaling, the social signaling. Because to me, if I was doing a welfare check or if I was training sheriffs to go to a house to make sure that a wife and kids are safe, all right, and during the interview yep. that person looked like that, I'd be coming back. Things that are, regularly. you know, 
genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in the little kids' arms. We just shoot them. Yep, you see it right, right there. You're exactly right. It's like it's like a battered woman or a trapped situation, and I think that's something that that should help people. I mean, you're seeing it currently with with um, um, either Damar Hamlin or if some people want to believe that it's not Damar Hamlin, whoever it is. I personally do believe it's Damar Hamlin, and I personally believe that he's being used uh, as a troll. I think it's also um, I think it makes sense that it's an uh, an NFL uh, football player because where else do we have an industry where we use words like traded? Like slavery didn't die. I mean, we trade human beings. We don't we don't give them the choice. They're being sent to another place. They have to uproot their family. I mean, they're being sent to another plantation to do the work. And we forget that because they get paid 10 million, 20 million, 50 million dollars. I don't care what the slave is worth or getting paid. That's slavery. What do you mean you're being mm. traded? You don't have a choice in terms in terms wow. of where you work? I mean, they're going to That's unleash a big the- observation there. <laughs> I mean, wow. we, we, don't, we don't use that word for anything else but to, but to, besides cattle and human beings from the slave trade. You're being traded. I'm going to trade you. I'm going to I'm going to take three of your women if you give me that big man. We're going to mm-hmm. I'm going to trade you, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have this person who, for whatever reason, either because he had a heart attack or he didn't, or or uh, you know whatever the sinister reasons are. He is now being paraded around and he's being told, you know, dance for a quarter and you'll do this. And I think that's the same thing in terms of the body language. A lot of these people in their actions, they just look like they're hostages. And I think a lot of people feel like that. I think a lot of law enforcement felt like this and that they can't wait to retire. I think a lot of teachers feel like this teaching now. I mean, we are, we are all part um, of being in, trapped in systems that we are feeling more and more like caged animals, mm-hmm. right? And then we have to ask, well, then who is the zookeeper? And yeah. to me, in our Who's time the period, right. the biggest they are people like Bill Gates, uh, who basically run the system. But then you have to look at Peter Fink, for example, from BlackRock, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about these big companies. Um, we talk about BlackRock or Vanguard, but we forget the people. We forget to mention the people that are involved. We, we, right. we, we sort of like lately I've been doing it myself. I've been paying attention to the awful things that DOD is doing. But is it mm-hmm. DOD? No. I mean, I can't hold our whole armed forces and go, oh, they're all doing cruel, bad things, right? We, we have to make the human beings – that are accountable for the awful things in our, in our world. Um, I really am very thrilled that you brought this level to this conversation because I really get, I, I don't get that much opportunity to speak mm-hmm. about it. But it's, it's the same discomfort is that if you have a president who's sniffing the hair of young children, right. if yeah. you have a president who's awkward with their hands, mm-hmm. right? If that was somebody's uncle or if that was the, the head of the scouts or if that, then, then people would know what they yeah. see. Yep. Right. But because it's the president of the United States, they get a pass. Well, not in mm-hmm. my world. Mm-mm. Like there, there's no way I'd walk in with family members and go anywhere near. <laughs> there's just no. no way. And then once again, what is that body, body language? Yep. Right? It's if, a predator if, right there. Look at the little girl. There's a million right, of exactly. what pictures of girls pulling away. And, yeah. Or, 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 because very uncomfortable. Just like you said earlier, it's intuition. It's even a little girl knows this is not right. Yes, yeah, she can't. She can't help that. She, no. I mean, this this is the this is supposed to be the greatest moment, mm-hmm. right? This yep. is supposed to be the greatest moment in her time. 
Mm-hmm. I'm about to, what I'm about to say now, I'm going to lose probably maybe the two of you and probably the majority of your audience, but I'm going to point out something that I think is very important for people to know is that there was a moment for me that I got very troubled by something that um, President Trump had done. And, ver- and, and it's in the same wheelhouse as, as, as this talking, that we have to understand and analyze human behavior for the safety of all of us. So there's a moment where President Trump is talking about launching missiles into a foreign country. And he's being interviewed by a reporter. And he's more interested in speaking about the chocolate cake that he had with the Japanese prime minister. Mm. That is deeply, deeply troubling. If I, if I was doing an interview, if I was doing an interview and I was worried about, you know, a, a perpetrator of crimes, or if I was trying to work out whether somebody had it in them to be able to create massive harm, personally, that's all I would need. Mm. Right now, that is obviously, and I can see David's like, man, I don't know if we should have had this guy on. No, I didn't see the interview. Everybody's open to, uh, in, in, you know, investigation, investigation and, and breaking sure. things down. And, and, and no political leader is, is a deity. And I don't know if he's deflecting or changing subject or, you know. Well, what, I, I what I can say, what I can say is why I bring that up is that for us to get out of this mess that we're in, we need to stop having idols of any form. Mm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Totally. That, agree. Nobody's above investigation. Well, the, the, like the said, first I thing totally about agree. having somebody in an idle position is it negates your own role in fixing the thing in front of you, the pothole in your own street, you know, because then you're off the hook. Well, I'm, I'm not this great God I've made of this person that, that I, he should be fixing this. And, and, and it I, takes God off the throne and it negates me of my responsibility to, mm-hmm. to do the next right thing in my own life. That's exactly it. So mm-hmm. when you when you when you are looking at with the, the the troubling pattern that we've had, is that the human beings that we've put in leadership positions, they do not have the human empathy that's needed to bring us all home. Mm. Right. So they don't have. So when you're talking about killing people with missiles, you do not talk about chocolate cake as mm. the thing that you remembered that day. Right. That is that is a lack of empathy for your actions. Right. It is the very thing that's troubling most conservatives at the moment. Why is Donald Trump not talking about the vaccine damage and injury? Sure. It's a major problem. It's something we get every day. It's it's the same reason. He -hmm. just can't see it. Mm -hmm. Now, a good leader, a good leader and a righteous leader will always have people within your circle to bring you the things that you can't do. Mm-hmm. Your trusted folks to be able to say to you, hey, this is the part you're missing about this. You are not really understanding how badly these people are hurting, mm. right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 you can compare it to, to uh, um, uh, um, the, um, I wonder if it's, a, I think it's a prime minister, Gold, Goldie uh, Mayer in, uh, in, in Israel. Um, she, during wars, she, she would make um, her, um, her staff wake her up every time there was a death of a soldier. Yeah, I've heard mm-hmm. that. Right? I mean, because what you're doing is then you're not losing the fact that somebody's family member just didn't come home. Right? Mm-hmm. The further you are away from the smell of death, mm-hmm. the sure. less it bothers you. And I think, Dr. Tao, I think also something that we've even heard about President Trump, obviously, I don't know him personally, but he doesn't seem to do a very good job of choosing the people around him sometimes. 
And, uh, and what you're saying there of even waking them up, you know, having somebody around you that's like, Hey, wait a second here. You know, that's not right. You know, you need to reevaluate that. Absolutely. And then I think that that's also um, a very difficult form of leadership uh, is choosing wisely and then also trust. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're in you're in a a huge position of authority. And then in a world where the thing that's been decayed the most is trust. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is the hardest thing for any leader right now. And then you've got to work out, well, then who are you putting into these positions? Who can you trust to not only bring you the right information, but just Stacey, as you just said, have you got enough trust in the person that when they are telling right. you, right. Hey, you messed up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and I mean, Stacey, it's, it's, it, 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 you're bringing gender back into it. I mean, this, this is, this is part of, partly why men need very strong wives mm-hmm. and why they need to respect their wives and that it is often, I mean, we all make jokes about it or whatever, my wife is never wrong, whatever it is, but a great man will always know that when, when a wife has said, you messed up mm-hmm. and the guy can't see it, oh, right. that, there's, that, there's, it's very there's valuable. That there's gender involved. It's extremely yep. valuable. And vice versa. That I think women a lot of times have emasculated their husbands, they've emasculated their sons to the point where sometimes they can't stand up to their own wife. And we're seeing that. And I think, you know, both are necessary. It's iron sharpening iron. And when you get rid of that component, then you, you're out of balance. And it's dangerous on all fronts. You're seeing, uh, you know, there's a lot of intelligence reports come out of China, you know, that they listen in on on Xi Jinping. And there's, yep. there's, nobody, there's nobody coming to him. It's, mm-hmm. it's silent. It's, it's silent because... There's nobody allowed to bring, you know, mm-hmm. uh, countering opinions there. And that is not a great place for anybody, you know, to be. And we've created a little bit of a world here in our space, you know, in the United States where uh, could could an, a, a truly kind, could an empathetic person rise to that level of, of position or or would they ever want to, you know, in the destruction that the media would bring on their life and, and all of those mm-hmm. things. So it's really hard for us to even... Uh, I don't think anybody would say there's a bit, you know, very many presidents that are, that is the, the best representation of the best of us, mm-hmm. you know, into that I think, person. I think you're you're 100 correct, and it makes me think about how I sort of had always this um, a deep desire to see a world being run by deeply empathetic people. But I think that there's a trap in that. I don't. I think there's it's flawed because I don't think that human beings could ever do it in terms of the fact that I think that's that's why we have such respect for somebody like Jesus Christ. When mm-hmm. we get close, when we see somebody, when we when we know that somebody's godlike and someone's god in their actions we obviously hold that to the highest standards but whether that's something that is um uh extremely rare because it's the basis of of of, of the, the very role modeling that we're all mm-hmm. trying to be um or whether it's not really the purpose whether it the, the the real purpose is to let us know that that's who we ought to be mm-hmm and then our leaders become that because ultimately our leaders are supposed to be a representation of ourselves. And so yeah. what we see in the world right now is we, we are going through a hard time of, um, of leadership and trust. And it's because we are losing that for ourselves. We are losing mm. that, 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 that ability exactly right. to, to even control our own families, right? Yep. So how do, we ex- how do we expect the school board? to control mm-hmm. a whole school uh, uh, district, right? Mm-hmm. When, when moms and dads are having a hard time keeping TikTok away from their kids. And then we, then we get upset when, when a county somewhere 
uh, can't control their their whole county. But it starts at it obviously starts at home. It mm -hmm. obviously starts Correct. for us to try and, to try and work this out. Um, I know we're probably running out of time. We, we, are, I think, we, uh, we have about about five minutes or so, and I want to want to make sure we tie this together. The 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 thinking behind the they, so to speak, put you know connection to that. And then tie that together of, 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 you know, we spoke before we began recording. I'm like, that's just so rich. I want to tie this together of the things that we're seeing now with the, the train derailments. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there, there's like, if, if this was a movie and we were all watching it, we would clearly understand there's sinister activity. And these are, you know, mm -hmm. the chicken poultry burns that just burn down randomly in, in mass numbers. There's not a, you know, the, the number of trains and the, the chemicals explosion, and, yeah. you know, you, mm -hmm. anybody watching this is a movie. And then anybody on the outside looking at America from the outside in, we would have an intervention. We go in and try and save America, you know, if, if, if America saw America, you know, somewhere else, but it's very global. So try to tie this up in tie, five minutes, Dr. Tao. Yeah, I, I no will. pressure. I mean, what, what a, what a make sense of it all. Yeah. Make sense of it all for everybody I'll, listening. I'll, I'll talk about it in the way that, that I, that I see it playing out, which is where, we're at war, but the war is not about human beings against human beings. And the war is not about AI against human beings yet, although that's where we're going to get. In, a, in my prediction is it's around just under a decade from where we are right now, where we'll literally be in the scenes from Terminator. And, uh, and these robots that we're creating and the digi-dogs and, and when we're already seeing what, what, what I talked about in conferences a couple of years ago in terms of using drones, right, cheap drones, Right in attacks. Well, you're seeing that in Ukraine with chemical warfare. You're literally seeing sure. people um, uh, being hit with ke with chemical weapons uh, with a system that you can build for under fifty bucks. Right. I mean, so we're we're seeing the technology that we are going to have to fight. That will start thinking more and more for themselves. Um, so the 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 tie up for me is that understanding the war is that the war is really um, a war of of industry. Um, when industry runs away from itself, um, it'll eventually capture the regulators, which it's done. Um, all of our agencies are captured, whether it's the EPA not responding to a massive, uh, toxic, uh, um, uh, Chernobyl-like disaster, yeah. right? I mean, you know, I, I worked with the EPA during this pandemic, um, and and partly what I was what I was realizing is by far still one of the easiest ways to neutralize this toxin um, is with copper. And so I was working with the EPA to understand. I had started building with a chemical engineer, uh, Dr. Jim Laddie. I started building an aerosolized um, way. If this was in the air and they were saying it's aerosolized, then why are we fighting it on surfaces? Why are we trying to mask up with masks that don't right. work? Why, why aren't we? Why aren't we building the equivalent of ranges in the sky, right? Yeah. Why, why aren't we deploying strategies that I was seeing other countries, including China, doing? And and the EPA was very polite and respectful, but what they were is captured. What they were very good at is building a great website at the time for you to go and see whether your sanitizer was an, an approved sanitizer. Okay, and all that was was a half a dozen companies that were literally giving licensing agreements to have a code of a product that was already marketed and existing, but you would be able to bring out David and Stacy's uh, hand sanitizer and the EPA would give you a new code if you had a royalty agreement with one of the big chem companies. Wow. Right. And they were nice about it. They were trying to help me to get rich 
and to do my work. But I wasn't interested in that. Those solutions weren't what was needed for the for the nation. In right. my opinion, those solutions were not needed for the senior homes. I know we probably got three minutes. So let me talk about warfare here. You, you, in warfare, what gets repeated over and over in different warfares is you can use sickness always, diseases. You can create sickness by confining people like we did during quarantining or they did with Jews in ghettos. And then you can say that you've got a problem uh, with people living in close quarters and and that they are um, now sick and they're going to make other people sick. And for their own embedment, you then move them. And so we have to be very, very wary that that doesn't ever come back. But I think that it's can come back very easily. Um, I think that when you when you take the sun away from people, there's a reason that day one mm-hmm. is let there be light. Yep. Your body, your immune system does not work with sun. In fact, the longer you're out of the sun, your body starts going as a mammal. You start thinking that you're hibernating. And hibernation mm-hmm. is a suspended animation that if it's not woken up at the correct stage, you then start decomposing. Wow. wow. Quarantining is war. Quarantining is the war against the first day of creation. Let there be light. You're like, mm-hmm. nope, keep them in the dark. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Arrest them for going to the beach. Yep. Okay. So that is warfare. Then you look at, at uh, you look at uh, food shortages and supply chain shortages. We can all live without an extra mirror if our mirror gets knocked off our car, but we can't live without food and without mm-hmm. water. So that's where the war is right now. The water is on our soil. The water is yeah. on our farms. It's no coincidence Bill Gates owns more than 50% of our U.S. farms and the mm-hmm. rest are Chinese-owned and, and other entities. We have lost control of the ability to feed ourselves. That's, that's a tactic of war. The next thing that I'm very concerned about is for the vaccinated. Any form of antigen or allergen is hugely pro- problematic for a triggered immune system. What the vaccine is designed to do is it's a primer that when somebody is then gets introduced to an a- allergen, it can be an air pollutant, it can be what I'm very concerned about are phosphates because phosphates are very, very much um, involved in a process called glycolysis, which makes our energy. That's our batteries. Mm-hmm. That's our mitochondria. What, what phosphates will do yeah, is it changes our body's ability to make what's called ATP, which is what we live on, our energy. Mm-hmm. It starts making one instead of two. That's mm-hmm. fatigue. Mm-hmm. That's death of cells. And so chemical warfare is the stage that we are currently on. These fires, there's, uh, the burn-offs, that is putting pollutants in the air. There is a yeah. direct relationship even before any of this started happening purposefully. There's a direct relationship of any country in the world that had heavy pollution and what they were calling death from COVID. Because wow. the, minute, the minute your body is dealing with the spike protein and air pollutants, you're going to have a hard time. Now, mm-hmm. most people's infections with a wild form of spike protein most people will have had that chelated out of their body naturally. Their body will fight it. Their body will learn about it. Your innate immune system will take care of it, especially the children. But when you introduce the spike protein as a primer, and nobody even knows exactly what that spike protein is at the moment, uh, the, the, there's a new analysis that I'm about to go through that will help me understand what that primer really looks like. But what that primer does is it tells your immune system to overreact the next, the next layer as we wrap up that is also another way of fighting war is they want all forms of natural food 
that they that 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 you can grow in your backyard or you can raise your own cattle or you can have your own chickens that make your eggs they are eliminating that systematically and that is the, that is why this war is a war of industry it mm-hmm. is a war that bill gates wants to sell you beyond meat rather yep. than right. you go down That's the right. street to your local local butchery he doesn't get to control your local mm-hmm. butchery yet there's another part to it that is part of the cycle of virus software that he's created. Virus just means a poisoning of the mind and soul. So for anybody that says a virus doesn't exist, they may or may not be right biologically, but they should go back to the root of the word, which is venom or a poisoning of the body and mind. And so what they are doing is they're openly poisoning your ability to take care of yourself so that you can be sold everything. You will own nothing and you will be happy. That's the goal. Because you won't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Your chickens won't lay eggs. You will have to buy the eggs, artificial eggs that we give you. Your Mm -hmm. womb won't work, Mm -hmm. right? So we will give you a hysterectomy and we will sell you a child Mm -hmm. that we create, right? This is why it's a war of industry. It is a war Mm -hmm. on our birthright, of our birthright to cycle through the process of life and death. That is your birthright. There's nothing else given to you besides life and then death. That can come before you even born for stillborns. But that is the only gift that you're ever given, the cycle of life and death. Yeah. That, is what, that is what we're fighting desperately to keep, mm-hmm. that we own that cycle. And when you look this at the world huge. through that lens, it helps mm-hmm. you make more sense mm-hmm. of the activities that are happening around you because it is an attack and it's it, it's at every front, but they are connected because there's a war on the population of humans on this planet and what it means to be human mm-hmm. and who's allowed to be human. And that's what they're even forecasting they're doing. It, yeah, so go to drtalbron.com. It's on here below. The link's down below. I also put a link, and Colton can bring it up, to biochemscience.com. Some of the solutions that you've come across, you're like, well, this would be helpful, and you've made available you know, on this site. So biochemscience.com. Colton can bring that up here on the screen. We'll have a link to that down below. And it's a range of, like you said, uh, uh, the, a, copper. A, the copper products, mm-hmm. uh, some supplements, some things that are like, hey, this is something you're using and these things are helpful there as well. And I've heard you reference that. You've been on with uh, uh, the health ranger, Mike Adams and different people fully endorse mm-hmm. what you're doing there. Um, and you know the, the, the venom, you know, uh, Thing, bringing it to the front, you know, mm-hmm. Dr. Brian Artis is a friend of the show, been on many times. So, so the circles that you run in, you're coming across great solutions to be able to help. Dr. Tal, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you to both of you. I'd love to be back anytime you want me. Do your feet ache and throb in pain with every step you take every day of your life? Well, kiss those days goodbye with slippers from MyPillow.com. How about that flimsy, flat little excuse for a pillow that's nothing but eight hours of disappointment? Causing you pain in your neck every single night. You can wake up with nothing but butterflies and rainbows around your head with a MyPillow pillow. Those hard wood floors hurting your old bones. No more. With a MyPillow dog bed. Are your towels worn thin, flimsy, more patchy than Joe Biden's memory? 
There's nothing better than absorbent towels from MyPillow.com. For all of these products and more, go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code FLYOVER for up to 66% off. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The MyPillow guy. And you're looking good. He's still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. MyPillow 2.0. When I invented MyPillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature-regulating thread. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. Taylor Fly for Conservative Podcast, we have a follow-up on a guest that we had a while back. And, you know, we, we cover a lot of interesting topics, doing a lot of interesting things. But every once in a while, you have one that actually you meet somebody whose life is dedicated to saving lives. We have tools and things that are going to help you or want to get a pen ready. Be ready to take down some notes because there's some really valuable information coming at you. We've always had this question, which is more dangerous? Uh, uh, diseases, germs, things that, that send you to a hospital, or the protocols that take place once you're at a hospital. Yeah. And that's a sincere question I probably wouldn't have had uh, two, three years ago, but we definitely have it now. And uh, it's a very valid concern. So we have Greta Crawford for Protocol Kills with us today. Yay! Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so Greta, this is, you're back on the show. It's been almost a year ago. So for the Flyover family that, that don't remember, can you share just a little bit of your story? What happened to you in the hospital, you know, a, a year ago? Yeah, I went into the hospital with COVID. Um, I was having um, trouble breathing. I was at 66% oxygen. I tried to stay away from the hospital, but when your oxygen's that low, you, you need something or you're not mm -hmm. going to make it. And um, I ended up uh, receiving um, remdesivir and baricitinib and um, those those poisons is what I call them, um, nearly killed me. And um, But I didn't know at the time. I, I was unaware of what they were giving me. Um, I knew enough about the ventilator and the vaccine to stay away from that. So that was a fight daily with my doctor. Um, mm -hmm. But once I got out, I realized that I was poisoned and um, poisoned intentionally. And um, with incentives uh, from the government to, to pay for these protocols. And so once I realized that, I decided to create a website called protocolkills.com to get the message out. I was just trying to warn other people. Um, in that process, I met Laura Bartlett. Um, she was uh, aware of how to help people with uh, knowledge of her right, your, your patient rights, mm -hmm. um, you know, things that, that people can do to actually go in prepared. Um, and since then, uh, she's created a hospital hostage hotline to help people who are trapped in the, the situation. She can help them negotiate um, their loved ones out of the hospital. And uh, she's also brought forth so much information that we all need that um, this information has, has been there. It's just been hidden from us like so many other things. Yep. And so we want people to know their, their rights as patients. And we want them to know the, what the hospitals are doing as far as tactics when it re regards COVID. A lot of people think COVID's over. Um, on the outside, yes, maybe so. But when you go into a hospital, the first thing they're going to do is test you, uh, maybe multiple times, until they get a positive, And then it's back to the COVID protocol. So um, people need to understand that this is not just about COVID. 
It's not just about one particular drug either, because they're willing to sacrifice, you know, $3,000 for remdesivir to get a, you know, $200,000 payoff of a COVID death. So it's very serious. Um, and we want people to understand that, but we want people to be empowered because sure. uh, you may need to go to a hospital. You may have an emergency where you're, you're in a, a wreck or you have a, you know, appendicitis or something like that, and you may need to go. Just be prepared with this knowledge of your rights and the documentation in writing, because uh, unfortunately, uh, somebody's word no matter uh, no longer matters. And um, just just be prepared. That's what we're asking you. And if I'm you just find sitting here, Greta, thinking. I mean, literally, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking: Are people still dealing with this? Are people mm-hmm. actually still going into a hospital? And this is an issue still today. I mean, we are three years after this whole, you know issue of COVID and there's still people going to the hospital and this is still a problem. Yes, very much so. Um, and uh, Laura is on the phone daily, day and night. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on there with her trying to, to help her send documents and things like that. Um, and that's what's important to have. People, people think, well, I don't have COVID. I'm not sick. An accident can happen at any time. So print out these documents now for everyone in your family. Have them notarized and signed, ready to go. Have copies. Have 10 copies. You know, put put one in your car. Um, be prepared because you never know when an accident will happen. And know that once you cross that threshold of the hospital, these are not the same hospitals of the past. Um, they, they're completely different dynamics. Um, and, and you have to use discernment from God to, to find out, am I getting treated for the reason I went in for, or am I getting treated for an agenda and a payout, um, mm. on, upon my death? Greta, and, let me, and those let me, are the things me, you have to take. In. Uh-huh. Let me jump yeah. in with a question with your quick, cause people are watching. They're like, you know, how could this be? Because I know people in the medical field. We have family member. I got my, my cousin is a thing that there's no way that they would ever be intentionally hurting. And every person that goes in, you know, every doctor comes out, Hippocratic oath above all else. And all means all above all else. I'm going to do no harm. Right. You know? And so they, they have that. Um, so some of those watching, they're thinking there's just, there's no way that it's an, it's an intentional. Is it, is it, um, did they get in the minds of everybody in the whole process or is it just you mindlessly follow procedure and, and people are just following orders? We've seen terrible things happen throughout history when you get large numbers of people to just follow orders. Is is that kind of the case? And and and, and who's the they in this? We say they are still doing it. Who is the they in this process? Well, everyone wants to, to, to say, you know, it's pharma, it's hospitals, it's this, it's that. Um, it's truly, in my opinion, um, government backed, uh, as far as the Medicaid and Medicare and insurance. Um, they are the, you have to follow the money. And so that's where the money's coming from. And, um, you know, that's, that's where I see it all coming back from. And then fear, fear is a big factor. Um, doctors and nurses are so afraid of losing their job that they're willing to do anything. Anything, meaning they're willing to inject themselves with poison. They're willing to uh, murder. So, you know, yeah, it's a combination of those things. It's it's brainwashing. It's fear. It's mm. everything. Um, but a, a lot there's there's a lot of good doctors um, and there's a lot of good nurses. There's good and evil in everything. So sure. you just have to have that discernment to know who is going to help me and who is going to hurt me. And, and that's really what, what, you, what it comes down to. And knowing how to, uh, knowing your rights 
so you can uh, find that. So you can mm-hmm. see that discernment. You know, are these people going to respect my wishes or are they trying to kill me? You know, and, and you um, gave a stat earlier. Can you tell us? I mean, you said there it was a high number of people that are still dying in hospitals today. Do you have that number? Yeah, it's, it's around 500 to 900 a day dying from COVID in the hospitals. So don't think that this is over with. I mean, it's not. That's that's a false sense of security. And and with that, they're able to get more people in there and, and do what they need to do as far as making money. So you keep talking about these documents. If people go to protocolkills.com, that's the website, or the mm-hmm. website is also, you could go to ourpatientrights.com. They go both go right. to the same website. Mm-hmm. Uh, walk us through this website. It says forms that can save your life. Let's click on that mm-hmm. first and then tell us about these forms. Okay. These forms are really important. First, you you have your medical power of attorney. And what I want to say to that is don't just say, um, okay, well, I'm really close to my sister. We get along great. She's going to be my medical power of attorney. Okay. If she doesn't know the information that's on this page or what's going on in the hospitals, she's not going to be able to make those decisions that uh, she would on your behalf as if she was standing in your shoes. Okay. You want somebody that is just as informed as you are to be your medical power of attorney. And then we have doctor's directives. And on this, there is a list of, of items that you can, you know, initial and say, I do not consent to remdesivir. I do not consent to baricitinib or the jab or even the flu vaccine. There's a whole list of things on there. Um, but this documentation is really important and unlike any other because it, uh, it, it says two specific things on there. One, it lets the doctor know that there are consequences. Um, these doctors uh, have stayed because of fear of losing job, their job. Mm-hmm. Well, this documentation says that if you don't adhere to these rights, if you blatantly dis- disregard these patient rights, we will report you to the medical board. And that is a significant thing because mm-hmm. they will be investigated. Um, at minimum, they'll have a, a mark on their record forever. And at the most, they could lose their license. So, wow. you know, yeah, this is a serious thing. If they're not mm-hmm. willing to step up and do what their oath was to, you know, do no harm, then mm-hmm. we have to step up and let them know there are consequences to that. So, and then another thing is the um, religious and spiritual rights. Um, we have in there that these uh, these are our beliefs that we do not want this and religiously and spiritually. So if they disregard this, they're disregarding patient rights and constitutional rights. So it, it okay. covers it on both bases. Um, and then the final is the ethics committee uh, consult. When your doctor is refusing to communicate with you, which we've seen in a lot of um, cases, they just don't want to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. We're just going to take care of you. Um, that is not informed consent. Informed consent is knowing the risks, benefits, and alternatives to every medication that is given to you. And then the doctors have to reiterate that you understand this information. Not only that, you can ask the success rate of any treatment or, or drug that he's he's putting out or she is putting out there. Um, so that is informed mm-hmm. consent. And if they're refusing to do that, then you need to call an ethics committee meeting where these people um, will gather and have more eyes on it. And they'll come up with an actual care plan of how to get you out of the hospital or to another hospital if need be. Now, so for, what for, it, for people that are on Podbean or listen on the radio and stuff, you can't see what's on the screen. When you go to protocolkills.com, they have sections for all these documents. They're very easy to find. At the very top, there's a big red button that says, you know, forms that'll save your life, basically. Uh, you go to it. There's two sections. One, I am the patient. T- second section. There's actually uh, multiple. multiple. I am the legal surrogate. So it's, it's, I am the medical power of attorney. So whatever your role is. Mm-hmm. Um, so say a scenario, you have a, you have a, a grown child that's going to have their appendix removed or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you think, well, that's not a scenario. We're probably going to end up, you know, losing your life to COVID. Um, mm-hmm. Entering into that 
situation, you would want to work these things out in advance because just because you're right. the parent doesn't necessarily mean you would have the rights to speak on their behalf. Is that correct? Right. Is that That's what you're correct. saying? Yes. If they're an, an adult child or, or um, something like that, then what you would do is first you would have the patient information filled out because the patient is cognitive and able to make their own decisions. And then you would back it up with that medical power of attorney of whoever it is that you choose to speak on your behalf in case something went wrong and you couldn't make decisions. So you would want um, that first block of, of paperwork and that third block of paperwork. What's um, the difference between I am a surrogate and I am the pa- medical power of attorney? So a surrogate is basically whatever the the state decides. Um, if you don't have a medical power of attorney, which is a legal binding document that says this person will make the decisions on behalf of this person if incapacitated, then you have the legal surrogate where if an emergency happened and there was no documentation, you automatically by law are, are the guardian of this person and the decision maker for this person. And so that's what a surrogate is. And that's there there is a, a distinction in that too. And and the hospitals will will see that. And mm-hmm. something else I'd like to say is the way the delivery method. Um, a lot of the situations we've had, people have said, well, I had my medical power of attorney. I had my directives and the doctor wouldn't take him. He just refused him. And at that point is that that's when you say, because we have directions in here on how to deliver these. That's when you tell your doctor, that's all right. I've already certified mailed this uh, documentation to the hospital, care of the CEO, care of the CNO. And it has been signed for. I've also courier delivered it upon uh, signature when it's arrived too. So this information is already at the hospital and it's already with your superiors. So if you reject it now, it will come back on you. And I guarantee you that doctor will take that paperwork once he knows it's already been delivered and already signed for within the hospital. Okay. So where are those directions on how to uh, work with the paperwork? How would somebody know that? When you click on the forms, there is uh, instructions before every um, form that you have to fill out. So it tells you exactly what to do within each form. So let's say that um, I let's say that uh, I am a I have the power of attorney. I'm medical power of attorney for David. Um, Mm -hmm. You're saying at what point would I send that into the hospital? Well, um, it depends on if David is able to make his own decisions or not. Um, if he is able to make his own decisions, then they're, they're not going to, to listen to you as medical power of attorney. So, but for me, I would send both in. I would send, you know, his, pa- his uh, as a patient, okay. where his directives are saying, this is what I want, this is what I don't want. And in case something happens unexpectedly in the middle of the night, they also have your medical power of attorney there. So it automatically transfers over to you. They can't make okay. any decisions on his behalf because they have your information there. What, what if there's something less planned? You know, I'm working on a project here. And I cut my thumb with a saw. Okay. We're running. I need stitches. When you get this thing, we're going to the ER. What do you do in that moment? In that moment, that's why I say have those documents ready. You have them with you, and that's the first thing you hand over. Um, they want you to sign their paperwork. Um, what I what we've heard people say is, well, you know, just one uh, phone call I had last night. They were handing over the documents to them and said, this is our wishes. This is our, our directives. And they handed the information um, from the hospital to sign. And they said, well, I'll sign it. You know, you, you tend to my loved one, but right now I'm going to read it before I sign anything. Don't sign anything that they put in front of you. Matter of fact, this lady got a blank piece of paper with a, si- a signature line at the bottom. What? And they told her, yeah, she gave it back to him and she said, no, you have to sign this. And the lady was cognitive enough to say, no, you show me what you were going to put on this blank right. right, and I will read it. And then I will decide whether I want to sign it or not. 
And I, I was just taking it That's, back that she got a yeah. blank piece of paper. I cannot signed. believe that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if somebody yeah. finds themselves in an emergency and they don't know what to do, uh, they can actually get a hold of, there is a free patient advocate they can call, 888-C19-3637. And what will they get? It's 24-7. What will they find on the other line, on the other side of the line? Well, first, um, you're, you're going to uh, give your information to the, the system because we have to vet everyone. We have to make sure that, you know, these aren't calls just, you know, trying to waste our time or, sure. you know, the enemy trying to attack. And once you get the information, you will get a call back immediately once everything is, is cleared. And we know that you're a real patient in need of help. And uh, you, the first person you'll talk to is Laura. Um, she'll find out the situation. She'll find out, um, you know, the questions that you need to ask if you have the paperwork and how to get the paperwork. Um, and and through the whole process, that's the thing. It's, people have asked us, well, can you just um, print out a step of procedures that we need to follow? No, we can't do that. Every person's different. Every health situation's different. Every doctor's sure. different. Every sure. hospital's different. It is a, a situation unique to each person person. And when you're in that situation, even if you've read all this information, you think I'm ready to go. Once you get in that situation, it is so stressful that sometimes you can't even think clearly. And so it's nice to have somebody to to talk to and somebody to calm you down and somebody with experience who's done this many times and can can help you through that situation. Mm -hmm. It's just it's very comforting and relieving to have that um, person on the other end of the line. Yeah, yeah, this is, is great, this is a boat that's best built before it's raining. Yep. You guys can go to protocolkills.com. Go there today. Go there. Get the forms. Get these things uh, rolling. Read through it. There's so much information on this site that can educate you before you're in a crisis, before you're in a challenge. This is definitely something you want to share with people that you know. Put it in your Facebook groups, Telegram groups. Put this information out there so that people know where to go to be able to uh Protect themselves, protect themselves yep. from a system that may not be in their best interest. Greta, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your guys' work. Yes. Thank you for, for taking something that's been a hard thing for you and a challenge mm-hmm. you've got through and turning it to good to help so many people. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much for having us. And I just wanted to, to let it may be known that this is free uh, and also it is national. So anyone can call. Don't feel like you're pressured to do anything. You have nothing to lose uh, and everything to gain, really. Awesome. Thank you so much, Greta. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the goal. You know the, you know the thing. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Period. I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. But no amendment, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. God actually spoke to me. He spoke about sacredness. He said to me, Kim, what I place in many, many people is sacred. And if anybody touches what is sacred to me, then it is the end for them. So what I've done in the United States of America is sacred. And there are people on every side that are trying to destroy what I deem sacred. And it's not going to happen. is the definition of criminal conspiracy, racketeering, and collusion. This is not a theory, this is evidence. Because I have upheld this country to spread a light to the rest of the world. When you choose to go against the sacred thing that God put into the very heart and the soil of this nation, this was sacred to God. Yeah!
reawakened tour is literally what it means. It has reawakened the American heart. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. We are really, really grateful to be locked arms with you as we try to share good ideas and, and actionable items to be able to help equip people to make better decisions, to really, truly wake up, speak up, and show up. And we thank you for being a part of that. We bless you to uh, make powerful decisions in your own life, to be encouraged, to be hopeful. There are a lot of good things going on in the world, and the more aware we are of the bad things, we can minimize those and raise up the good. And that's what we're trying to do every day here on the Flyover Conservative Show. This show blessed you at all. Please share it with somebody who you know could use the encouragement as well, as well as the good ideas. And we will see you again tomorrow. Peace out. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Flyover Conservatives podcast with David and Stacey Whiten. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell, and leave us a comment below. Lastly, if you enjoyed today's podcast, share with those who came to mind. Be blessed and make it a great day.